Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We won't quit. We'll get better. Those were the words of Tom Izzo after Michigan State lost its third straight game on the road at Iowa on Tuesday night. It's the continuation of what has been a brutal stretch for the Spartans, who have now tumbled down the Big Ten standings, having lost five of their last six games. Definitely not what you want to hear if you're a Michigan State fan, but we will discuss nonetheless on episode 69 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion and Kyle Austin with you on Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Kyle, good to talk to you. How was the trip to Iowa City? Uh, lovely as always. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I went to Iowa City once. I covered uh, when I was covering the CMU Central Michigan football team. Uh, they went to Iowa City and actually pulled off the upset there. Uh, so I, I, I uh, it's a pretty fun college town, though, actually, for being yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, middle of nowhere. If you guys think the wind's cold here, go go out to Iowa City. Oof, it's cold out there. Um, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it it's a good spot. My favorite hotel closed. I, I think we talked about last fall uh, about <laughs> yeah. our favorite Iowa City hotel. But, well, it's not closed. It's a Hilton now, which it means it's dead to me because I'm so loyal mm-hmm. to Marriott. So um, that's a bummer. But other than that, uh, good town. Under under new ownership, are you under, a Marriott yeah. Rewards holder? Oh yeah, I'm I'm like a total Marriott Reward guru, points counter, and everything. I'm really weird about it. <laughs> hey, when you're on the road as much as you are, you might as well take advantage of it for sure. Um, so yeah, like I said, we're gonna get into Michigan State. We haven't talked since last week. A couple tough losses since then. Uh, the close one against Illinois last Saturday at home, and then obviously the blowout loss last night in Iowa on Luca Garza night. Oh man, just sort of rubbing salt in the wound with that one. Uh, but we appreciate everyone for listening. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, be very much appreciated. Check out our work at mlive.com slash Spartans. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us with your questions if you got them. Um, you know, we were just talking. We kind of get, are getting in the same cycle of talking about the same stuff with Michigan State uh, this season, especially with basketball. So it would be nice to maybe hit some different angles. Angles, And I guess we have some interesting stuff we can talk about today, uh, sort of big picture-wise. But uh, as always, very much appreciate you listening. So, Kyle, as I just said, uh, Luca Garza night in Iowa City. The crowd's fired up. Uh, Michigan State, uh, you know. Oh, Iowa, you know, pretty much led comfortably throughout, I'd say, and they absolutely just ran away with it in the second half to win by 26 points. Um, I mean, like I said, we don't need to focus too much on the games, and maybe we can touch on Illinois, which is obviously a lot better showing for Michigan State. But uh, to me, you know, watching this game, just one of those classic nights where Iowa is hot from beyond the arc, and uh, we've seen them run teams out of the out of Carver-Hawkeye plenty of times when the ball is going through the basket for them. 
Yeah, I mean, this this team has gotten into this habit of starting poorly and between Iowa's offensive firepower, uh, the way that building was last night, one of the best environments they've played in all year. Um, it, it was just going to be really, really hard to come from behind after a bad start. Um, and, and they put themselves in another hole. Um, you know, I think Gabe Brown and Max Christie missed four shots total in the first four minutes. So more of the same, those two. Just not being able to get anything going. Um, turnovers, you know, your weird turnovers. You know, they they, they can't even uh, inbound it after a made basket. They turn it over there. That was a new one. Um, I didn't think they had any new ones left in them, but they they found one. Um, Checked another box, Kyle. Yeah, so, and that, and then, you know, just poor shooting. Um, you know, Marcus Bingham really not being able to get going underneath. All, you know, all the usual things. Um, and uh it put him in a hole early Iowa played well they had absolutely no answer for Keegan Murray uh I thought Malik Hall might be able to at least you know make things difficult for him you know they weren't going to hold him scoreless or anything but um maybe do what kind of like what they did to Johnny Davis in the first one make him work really hard and um um and do it that way but nobody was was doing much of anything against Keegan Murray he had 28 in 30 minutes I think um and yeah, there's no answer. So, you know, the, you thought for a second there, they were going to make a run in the second half. Time is which teed up basically gives them a five point possession. And then Jordan Bohanner keeps hitting a couple of, I think Israel calls him Christers when you, you know, when you're hitting them from almost the logo. So um, yeah, a bad night overall. That was going to be a tough environment to win in. Um, they could have really used it, but uh, yeah, just kind of the same old, same old, same old happening for this team. I had no confidence going into this game, Kyle. I mean, I've, I've, didn't they get blown out of Iowa last year too? I mean, it's they just, did, yeah. It's it's we've seen it before. Even when Michigan State has good teams, we've seen them go into Iowa City and and get housed. I mean, it's just a a tough building to play in. I mean, it's uh, this is the Big Ten. Pretty much every game is tough to play in. Uh, uh, Bryce Jordan Center, notwithstanding. Uh, but I mean, it, well, they lost it, there too. So yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but you know, it's just like you know, in terms of atmospheres, I mean, right, you know, tough right. atmospheres. Uh, but Keegan Murray, man, I liked him last year when he was when he was sort of in the shadow of of Luca Garza. I don't really put this on Malik Hall. I mean, Malik Hall had what seventeen points. I think he was no, and I, I didn't mean to insinuate it was on him. I just thought he might be able to at all. Yeah, I mean, Keegan Murray, he might be my favorite non-Michigan State player in the Big mm-hmm. Ten. Very first, I mean, he is just so so smooth, man. Between mm-hmm. his, you know, his his uh, crafty moves in the post and smooth turnaround jumpers, he can step outside and shoot it. I mean, just a matchup nightmare, not just for Michigan State but for any team. Um, and, and the way he's developed as, as a top tier player has really been impressive. I mean, I think people, you know, people around the big 10 and people who follow college basketball saw the signs last year that he was going to develop into a, a top tier player, but, uh, the step he's taken this year has exceeded expectations. And in my opinion, he should be firmly in the conversation for, you know, not only big 10 player of the year, but national player of the year. I mean, he's just playing at a very high level and was going to be a tough matchup for anyone. Uh, but Michigan state definitely struggled in that way, uh, guarding him. So, you know, let's get to the stuff. I mean, I think that stuff that's interesting and, you know, we, we don't really need to touch on Illinois, but we saw the two, uh, you know, obviously Michigan State made a late charge with Tyson Walker just going nuclear in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, just insane. You know, Hogard and Walker did everything they could to, to bring Michigan State back in that game after another slow start. Um, but Tom Izzo hinted at lineup changes last night. And I know uh, you asked him about it and got kind of a cold response. You know, I won't none of your business until uh, you'll see it. But I mean, I think we can speculate on what some of those lineup changes might be. We've seen Tyson Walker, you know, be effective 
playing off the ball some uh, against Hogard. I, I don't know if you can play those two, start those two against some teams that they're going to be playing. Um, but you would think Malik Hall would be a candidate to be in the starting lineup. You would think Julius Marble would be a candidate in the starting lineup. Uh, Tom didn't give you much when you asked him, but what do you what do you take away from the the, the hints at lineup changes? Well, I mean, he, he was not going to answer that question directly. It's one of those, like, you, you got to ask it because, you know, he's hinting at it. You got to try to follow up, even if, you know, he doesn't want to give uh, Matt Painter his lineup for Saturday just yet until he has to. But uh, I, I think you can infer a fair amount based on I mean, he's pretty clear about who he thinks played well and didn't play well. Um, so I, I think you can make some pretty educated guesses there. Um, I would start with one of them that you just mentioned, uh, Julius Marble for Marcus Bingham. Um, I, that would be number one on my list of changes I would expect to see for Saturday. Um, I, I think Marble is out outplayed him for two, three games now. Um, he's playing more physical. He's getting in the post. I mean, they're, they're very clear that they think they need a better low post presence to help the three-point shooting. Like right now, like they don't have a guy that's going to bang around and, and beat you down low so they can play more out on shooters and make life more difficult for Max Christie and Gabe Brown. Um, so one of their answers they feel like needs to be, hey, we got to be throwing it down there because the best Michigan State teams, I mean, that's what they've had. And then this Michigan State team doesn't have it. So they've been employing Marcus Bingham to do it, prodding him to do it. You know, it's the first play last night is Bingham in the post, but he just hasn't been able to consistently establish that presence down there. I don't think it's natural for him. Uh, you know, as the game goes on, I think he gets tired. You know, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of work to do the work down there. And um, he just kind of fades away from it. So um, I, I know they're frustrated with that. And, you know, on the other hand, I think Julius Marble's playing pretty well. Nine points, eight rebounds last night. Nothing huge, but a, a pretty solid effort. I think he's playing good defense and, and giving them solid minutes. So that's my number one on the board change that I'm uh, guessing at. Number two, and man, it... Six weeks ago, if you told me to get to this point, I wouldn't have believed you. But like, I think you got to sit Gabe Brown down. Like yeah. over over seven last night. Like he Orland. he is he is just hurting you. Um, he is just he's hurting you a lot. Um, you know it. it they've given him, I think, enough time to kind of work through it. But um, you know, you need wins, and um, and, and he is. You know, he's not providing offense. Um, you know, he's pretty much a spot up shooting now, and but not being able to hit it. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't know if, if the answer is, um, start Jaden Akins, if it starts the two point guards next to each other, which is something they've done before. Like if you remember back in 15, when they were really scuffling 2014, 15, they ended up, they made a couple of moves, but they ended up with Travis Trice and Tum Tum Nair next to each other. And that kind of clicked and worked. Free so Trice I, up big time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think freeing up Tyson Walker. Um, obviously we saw on Saturday what he can do when he wants to score. And he had, I, I thought he, he, he played pretty well uh, yesterday too. So I, I wonder if that's something they look at. I think Jade Nakins has been good. I don't think he's going to be some sort of savior in the starting lineup, but um, I, I think unfortunately it's just time that Gabe Brown needs to come off the bench for a little while because um, that that's kind of where we've gotten. So those are my two. Um, I, I think, you, you could always move Malik Hall in for Joey Hauser. I mean, that, that move's been, you know, potential for a while. Um, and maybe they pull the trigger on that. I mean, to me, Malik Hall has been playing more minutes and he's been playing the key minutes. So that's not that big of a change. Um, but the other two, I think, um, would be pretty significant. And I'd expect at least one or not both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, eight and 10 for Marble against Illinois, too. So this is a mm -hmm. sustained stretch for him playing, play, outplaying Bingham just 13 minutes 
last night. And Marcus being a man, he's he remains an enigma. We've been waiting on him for four years now. And I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I just don't know if the kid has the the mental mindset to be a, a you know, a, a big 10 big man who's above average. I mean, he's just kind of there, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's unfortunate this with this class, you know, the five man class that everyone's talking about right now, you know, you had Aaron Henry that way outplayed his, his recruiting potential, but you know, the other four, two of them aren't here. And the other two have been huge disappointments for a month now. So, I mean, if you want to look at Michigan state's issues and we've talked about it before, you can look at that recruiting class, uh, just not rising to the potential. We hammered it a lot last week with the seniors need to lead this program. And they're just not right now. Uh, I, I really like the idea of starting the two point guards. I think Hogard has settled into that distributing point guard role. And we saw Tyson Walker just go off against yeah. Illinois. Like we, we last night he was shooting the three well, even in the blowout. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just a talented scorer. And if he doesn't have to focus on running the point all the time and he can just focus on scoring, that's what this team needs. They need someone who's going to put the basket or the ball in the basket. I mean, it's it's been brutal lately in the half court, especially uh, for this team to get offense at times. And if, if he's going to be someone who's going to if all he if he can just focus on getting his shot and Hogarth can worry about the point guard play. I like it. The issue could come defensively because some of these teams are bigger and the matchups could get in trouble that way. Yeah, um, I, I did. Okay, we haven't we didn't do a pot after the Illinois game. Um Tom was very quick to pour some cold water on the Tyson Walker performance, and he even agreed with it. Mm-hmm. Two reasons. One, Illinois has a very small perimeter, um, a very small backcourt. Um, and two, not to get too nitty-gritty, but the way they played ball screen, he basically opened up that mid-range shot that you saw him hit over and over again. And that's a unique way of playing ball screens, partially because they have Kofi. Um, and they're not going to – that not a lot of teams are going to do that. So he, he basically had a couple of factors play in his hands um, against Illinois. That's not going to happen very often. That being said, he's still a good shooter. I still think that, especially with the way Gabe Brown's been playing, um, I, I think they could get more out of him. Is there seemed hesitant to go down that road? Um, you know, I think because, you know, swapping in, you're going to a lot of size swapping in um, Tyson Walker for Gabe Brown. Um, a lot of size, a lot of strength. And I do think they're worried. It seems like the book on Tyson Walker has been to beat him up a little bit. Um, so he, he would have to work through that. But man, this team needs the offense and and he could give them he, he could give them offense. So I think it's something they look at. Um, and then, you know, we should talk about Max Christie because he's been struggling a lot, too. I, I don't see them making that move um, with him. I think he's still giving them enough. He hasn't struggled quite as much as Gabe Brown. Um, I, I mean, he's a freshman. I think his struggles are. A little bit more to be expected than Gabe Browns, um, who's a senior. Um, so I, my guess is that they're going to let him play through that some more. But um, you know, they need some more out of him too, and, and they've been asking more out of him. I mean, they whether or not they make any lineup changes, um, he played less last night, but they have been playing him like thirty-two minutes a night for several weeks, and then they just can't do that. You know, that's too much for mm-hmm. for a freshman. So that's another kind of minor change I see them making, but. Um, uh, you know, I, I hope I hope people aren't, you know, discouraged about Max Christie now. Cause I, I still feel like I see a lot of potential in him despite the way he's been shooting the ball the last couple of games. Uh Graham Couch brought up this interesting point. You look at two of the best players in the Big Ten, Keegan Murray last night, Johnny Davis for Wisconsin, both sophomores now having completely breakout campaigns. Freshmen were okay, you know, 
Um, nothing, nothing special. Um, I, I, that's what they want for, for Max Christie. And that's what Michigan state fans should hope for, for Max Christie. And the fact that two guys in the league did this, this year should be hopeful. I mean, I think, I think you watch him play. I think it's pretty clear. He needs some more strength. Um, he needs to be able to, to bang around, to get to the hoop uh, with some of these guys. And I think a full off season, knowing, um, what the big Ten's like a full off season of strength training, um, uh, I think he could. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as those guys, but I think he could make a significant leap um, if he has a good offseason like those guys did. So I'm still high on Max Christie um, for for a little bit of good news, despite the way he's been playing. But um, yeah, some of the other changes I think do need to be made. I am too. I think Christie and, and Aikens have had encouraging seasons. This yeah. is maybe not to the potential of what people had hoped, especially Christie with his recruiting pedigree. But um, I like what I've seen from both of them. And I think Pierre Brooks uh, with losing a little weight and just, you know, getting more into the the Big Ten ready. I think he's shown some promise as well in spurts. So the future, I, I'm not, we've talked about it last week. I'm not concerned about the youngins on this team. I think that mm-hmm. this has been encouraging signs from the youngsters, throw AJ Hogard in there. Uh, it's just the upperclassmen that where it's been a disaster. But um, let's see, moving, moving, uh, oh, sorry for the mentions, Kyle, uh, um, Keon Coleman getting in the rotation. <laughs> is that, is that a lineup change that's going to happen? We saw him drop a three last night. <laughs> uh, no, that was that, that seemed to be a, I'm mad at so many people. I don't have anyone else to play. Okay. Keon go in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> sort of move last night. Um, I mean, good for him. I mean, I mean, obviously the kids are working hard doing what he should. Um, if they're playing Keon Coleman rotation minutes down the stretch, uh, they're in trouble here, but you know, fun, fun to see him get a real shift last night. I love the confidence on that kid, man. He's, oh, he's, he's out there tweeting. <laughs> I just need a chance and man, he is something I I'm, I'm really excited to see what he, he, can, he uh, almost, come, come football there was team. a rebound that was going and it was like going straight to Tyson Walker. He had it no problem. And Ken Coleman is chasing it down. And I thought he was going to knock it out of, out of his own teammates hands. He wanted to get, he wanted to get on the box score so badly. Um, so, (laughs) I mean, he, he's hustling and and good for him. Yeah. I'm excited for, for what he can do on the football field. I think everyone is, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's fun to see him get a, get a little look here in basketball too. But Kyle, last night I saw someone tweet out the Torvik rankings, the Torvik player ratings, the entire starting five was in the negative. So, uh, that Coleman was the the, the plus minus leader last night. Plus six. (laughs) Yeah. He played five. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, but that just tells you uh, why Tom's looking at the lineup here. Well, they they had, they scored 19 points. It's a starting five, 19 points. That's abysmal. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's, let's look towards the future here. I mean, there's no sense dwelling on the past. Michigan state fans are down bad right now. They know what's going on, uh, with the team. But, you know, UConn just beat Villanova last night uh, with mm-hmm. the most hilarious ejection I've ever seen, by the way. I don't <laughs> know if you saw that. Uh, but, but uh, you know, we've seen this team, like, they can win. They can beat good teams. Earlier in the season, they looked like a top 15 team. And, uh, you know, we said some of that was schedule-aided, but the, the performances we've seen lately have just been ugly. I mean, they haven't been Michigan State basketball. So looking forward here, I mean, it doesn't get any easier. There's no rest for the weary. You've got Purdue coming in on Saturday. You're at Michigan, at Ohio State, and then home versus Maryland next week, and then you've got the Big Ten tournament. So uh, things, you know, are a little more hairy when it comes to the tournament. I thought we thought this team was a guaranteed tournament team. Last night's loss dropped them all the way to 36th in Ken Palm and 35th in the net. Uh, Michigan is actually higher than them in Ken Palm. We talked about Ken Palm's obsession with Michigan a little bit, uh, but they're actually higher than them now. Um, so, uh, you know, tough st- schedule down the stretch. Michigan State is, uh, what are they, 18 and nine now? 
so, I mean, they have good quad one wins. They have, they're, they're pretty good in some of the metrics, but you know, you lose all these games down the stretch, you're going to be sweating it out. Like you got to win. You got to pull something out here. What, like, what do you think they have to win to guarantee a spot in the tournament? Is it just one more game? Yeah. I, I, I looked into this a fair amount this morning. Um, I think one more and you're like pretty sure in like 80% in, if you win one more, I think two more you're in hands down. Um, and they've got three tough ones coming up. Uh, but then you close with Maryland at home, which I think is a really good opportunity for a win. And then big 10 tournament, um, you know, you, you're going to open with a more manageable game. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how all the seeds you're going to shake out. There's still a lot of possibilities, but you're going to open with a, a Northwestern or a Penn state um, that um, that Thursday um, in Indianapolis. And that's, I mean, they lost to both those teams. So it's not like they couldn't lose that game, but um, yeah. a, a more manageable game um, than some others. So um, you either get an upset in one of these next three, um, which is not like that out of the question. Um, I mean, Michigan doesn't have its head coach right now. Um, uh, the other two, you know, who knows? Um, then you got Maryland at home and, you know, manageable Big Ten tournament. So I, I don't think they're in it yet. Like if they were to lose out, I, I think it would be very, very dicey for them on selection Sunday. But I, I think overwhelmingly likely they get at least one more win. I probably two. like, I think they went two more and get to, at least two more, get to 20 wins. And this is not, and they're fine on selection Sunday, but I mean, if you'd have told me on February 23rd that, you know, they're not in the NCAA tournament yet, uh, I mean, I would have been pretty surprised. And, um, you know, the way they've been playing, I, you know, the, it'd be nice for them to just not have to worry about this and go beat Purdue on Saturday and just say we're done with it. Because I, I say they need one more. Like, if, if that one is like Purdue, then you're done, I think. Yeah, I think you're in. Um, and probably for for Michigan um, and, and Ohio State, too, considering those are on the road. So they, they, they could end this discussion very quickly. Um, but, you know, you let it snowball. Suddenly you're in your regular season finale um, feeling like you you really need a win. And that's you don't want to be in that spot. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, you know, stressing, trying to figure out who the heck is going to guard Zach Eady and Travion Williams on Saturday, Kyle. So I'm not really going to think that they're even with the maybe potential lineup switches. Maybe Bingham can like stand on Marble's shoulders or maybe the other way around <laughs> and they guard Zach Eady collectively uh, on Saturday. But, you know, they don't have Juwan Howard at Michigan. Ohio State, I think, is a little fraudulent, too. I, I was going to say, I think that's more winnable maybe than some people think. I agree. I think I think that we've seen lately that they're just similar to Michigan State. They're a good, not great team, uh, you know, led by C.J. Liddell, and they have a, a breakout freshman as well. Um, so, I mean, they, they have players, but, you know, they're 21 in Ken Palm right now, so a quality team. But I think we've seen lately that that's a winnable game. And then Maryland, uh, Michigan State played pretty poorly at their place and still managed to win by one. They've struggled pretty much the whole season. So you would think on senior day at home, that would be a pretty good win. Does Ken Palm, I don't know if you have it up there. Are they projecting losses in three of the four? I would uh, Ken Palm's got them finishing uh, two and two. So beating Maryland and then yeah. like, if this makes sense, like they're projected to lose, you know, individually all three of those games, but it's like 40%, 37%, 31%. So it's like between one of those, like you'll probably win more. And I think that's the, and I think that's, a reasonable expectation that, you know, they'll, they'll pick off one of those, you know, Ohio state is, I mean, they're not stuffing like Michigan state, but um, last two, a 13 point home loss to Iowa and they needed overtime at home to beat Indiana. Um, and Indiana on, just on blew Monday. that game. 
Yeah. You saw the Hoosiers just, they, they Hoosiered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that one, you know, between that, um, you know, they just gave Illinois a really good game at home. I'm not saying I, I, I agree with your ED question, but, um, shoot. I mean, we saw, I mean, we saw Purdue lose to by how many hit uh, Michigan. I know they've got a big, better big man, but still um, that one. And then, um, you know, Michigan on the road, like you said, they're, they're obviously in a, in a situation <laughs> right now. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't think when it comes to selection, if, if they're sweating on selection Sunday, I would be very surprised. Let's put it that way, but it is still notable at this point in the season, given that they were once 14 and two, that they haven't just locked this thing up already. Purdue's wild, man. Number one in adjusted offensive efficiency and 114th in adjusted defensive efficiency. That's just, that's wild. Like, you I, don't I, see teams like that. No, and like, I, I I mean, everyone keeps saying, like, like you can't win a national title with that tour of defense. And it's like, are they going to break the mold? You Historically, you can't. It doesn't, I don't think, I don't think it's impossible, but yeah, they're a team I'm very interested in. Um, and like, I'm like, I'm interested in Rutgers too, you know, like, man, they can beat anybody. They can lose to anybody too. Like, I, I really hope they get in the tournament. That would be fun. I do too. I think they could beat some people. They're one of those yeah. teams that could get in as a later seed and make a run. I mm-hmm. honestly believe that. Uh, Paul Mulcahy, he is really taking his game to the next level. Uh, we, I mean, Michigan State saw that firsthand out, out there at their place where he was just posting up Hogard and he any chance he wanted to. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but you mentioned the, you know, the Juwan Howard thing with Michigan. We're not going to get into that. This isn't a Michigan podcast, but Tom Izzo obviously weighed in. Um, uh, the thing that I thought more entertaining and which kind of spread around nationally was, was Tom, uh, shaking air <laughs> down the stretch. Uh, when, when somebody suggested that, you know, handshake lines, you know, the, the incident with Greg Gard and Juwan Howard has brought up renewed conversations about, you know, do we need the handshake line? Is it necessary? Uh, Tom Izzo, needless to say, very opposed to the idea of eliminating that from the game. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty entertaining comments. Um, you know, he, he's all, you know, his big thing is, you know, what are we teaching kids? Um, and um, not teaching them, you know, it's kind of an accountability thing. You know, you, you, um, you play a tough game, you know, you battle for 40 minutes and then you um, and then you go shake their hand. I think that's, that's important to him. I think he kind of likes that little, you know, relationship. He, you know, he certainly likes being able to tell other players and coaches, you know, what he thinks of them too. Um, and say, Hey, you know, I really like your game. I really like how you guys are doing this. So I, I think that's something he values a lot. I, I don't think it's actually going away. I think this is kind of a sports talk radio um, uh, topic a little bit, but um, you know, I, I, I didn't know he was that, uh, that passionate about the, um, the handshake line before this week. So, so there you go. Although I do agree. Like, I don't know. Did you see Fran's take on it? Um, I didn't, no. Fran McCaffrey, uh, Iowa coach, I should say. Um, so he said, he said, he said, we should, you know, we should do the handshake line. We shouldn't, um, we shouldn't do away with it. But if it's a tense game at the end and if feelings are high, then you should go to the locker room. Like basically coaches like, should not be frowned upon of like sipping it if they need to, because if in the right circumstances, as we saw on Sunday in Madison, like it can be combustible. And I thought that was kind of a smart take. And he's actually done that a couple of times when he's like, Hey, you know, something bad could happen. If we do the handshake line, we're not doing it today. So um, I, I think that's actually kind of a smart take, um, you know, situation by situation. Um, if it's fence at the end, maybe we skip it. Um, and, and, and it's not, a, it's not a being unsportsmanlike. It's just, trying to keep everybody safe. Yeah. I mean, this, this whole conversation I think is stemming from the fact that, you know, they didn't do the handshake lines for COVID last year and, right. you know, people are like, nobody really missed it. I mean, I, I can see Tom's point. I, 
my my one of my biggest overall concerns not that anyone cares for college athletics is just like the continued uh de-emphasis on team and and sportsmanship and it, it almost just seems like you know we're taking all that away it's just like oh worry about nil transfer if you don't get to play like i'm echoing tom's comments here and maybe i sound like a boomer or something but like it's just like I don't know. I think that these, these things that have been at the heart of sports forever, I don't think we would be so quick to dismiss them, you know, because I think they do matter. And anyone who has played sports has a certain respect for their opponents. I know I did when I played in high school and I know there's just something about like going hard as hell at someone for an, the entirety of the game and then looking at them in the eye and being like, good job. You know, and I, I know that maybe that sounds like semantics and being emotional and, you know, romanticizing things, but I, I just feel like that's an essential part of sports and we shouldn't be de-emphasizing it. I, I have a couple of young kids who are just getting started in sports and like, that's something that I, I think is very important for them to learn, you know? Um, and for young kids to see players doing it, I mean, it's not often on the broadcast, um, well, it works on Sunday, but, um, but yeah, just, just to set an example, like, Hey, yeah, we play hard. Yeah. You know, we might, you know, there might be a couple of hits, there might be a couple of words, but at the end of the day, like, it's a respect among competitors sort of thing. Um, and um, yeah, I agree. I think it's an important thing to keep. Yeah. That was hilarious with God and, and Howard. They've got like, the CBS outro music playing. <laughs> it's like a soundtrack to them, like getting in each other's face, man. That was a wild. I, I was wild. sitting there playing cards with my kids and I'm kind of half watching. And I look up, it's like, Oh my gosh. And it's like, you know, kids are like, it's your turn. I'm like, hold on, hold on. I think you want to punch somebody. Hold on. G- give me a second. <laughs> And I had completely forgotten that uh, when Jawan got teed up at Michigan State uh, on Cassius's senior year, that he like stormed onto the court. Like I forgot yeah. that, that. Like one of the weirder, yeah, yeah, one of the weirder things. And, and, although you know, we should say like really quickly that was is our fourth technical of the season. Um, you know, that, that's I mean, it's not like a huge thing, but like that's that's higher than normal. And a couple of them have come. Sometimes you know, obviously, sometimes coaches get them on purpose for certain reasons, certain points. He had a couple, I think, at some bad times that have helped that have hurt. And interestingly, to t- kind of tie it together, he said, "I should have known to to keep it cool because I think all the officials after what happened on Sunday are, are not going to be putting up with with coaches shenanigans um, from the now. It's going to be quick trigger, quick tee if you're if you're stepping out of line, stepping onto the court, uh, which Izzo did a little bit last night. So um, I think Izzo and all the others are going to have to rein it in a little bit as a as a response to what happened. It's been a frustrating season, Kyle. Tom mm-hmm. Tom is clearly frustrated, so uh, that's that. But just real quick, I know it's not a Michigan podcast. You think five games was about right for the suspension? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been opposed to more if there were seven games left in the regular season or something like that, but um, I think that's a natural kind of cutoff um, for them. Um, I, I was surprised not to see the Wisconsin assistant get anything, um, really, because that, you know, when you're a coach and you're escalating the situation, that surprised me a little bit. And, you know, I know the coach instigated it, but one game for players that were throwing that many punches seemed a little low for me too, I guess it would be my, would be my takeaways. They're clearly cutting them a break because they didn't start right. it. They were going through the line as they should, and it didn't escalate. And I don't Juwan think they need as much as Juwan or anything, but you know, maybe a little more than one game is what I would have expected. So. It's a rough precedent to set when your kids are throwing punches and you're right. only giving them one game. 
you know, mm-hmm. I guess that that would be the concern. But uh, yeah, I mean, just wanted to touch on that because it, it was honestly the dominant story in sports, not just college basketball. There, but for a little bit, we should so. say, and I did was wondering if those guys would be out from Michigan, Michigan State, but they'll have everybody back except Juwan um, and Phil Martelli, old Tom Izzo friend. will uh, we'll get to coach that game here uh, next week. Oh, so that'll be fun. If only he had some head coaching experience. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not a bad guy to hand the reins off to if you're no. if you're Michigan. <laughs> so, uh, anything else, or should we get out of here? Uh, nope, it should be it. it. Should be a good one at uh, at Barthon Saturday. Looking forward to it. Man, I hope so, Kyle. The fan base is spiraling right now. It's <laughs> uh, this is brutal. This is, I mean, five of six is we don't see that very often at Michigan State. No. Uh, so this is they need to win badly just to just to get some confidence back. I, again, I. This isn't the most talented team Michigan State has ever had, but you know they still have more talent than half the Big Ten. They should be they should be in the top six uh, where they were picked preseason. So it's a tough league. It's been a tough stretch. Michigan State's going to have to really dig deep. Maybe these lineup changes will spark the Spartans. We will find out on Saturday. Tips at noon, I believe. Uh, I believe the game is on ESPN. Um, and then you know three big games next week to close out the season, and then it's March, mm-hmm. Kyle. Woo! March is coming. It's almost here. I'd love it. Best time of the year. I agree. So, so that'll do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for listening. Please like rate and review the podcast. Check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Kyle has some post game stuff up there right now. Uh, Matt, again, obviously not here. Football news pretty much in the dead zone until spring ball gets going on next week, but uh, he's, I think he's doing a preview series previewing spring ball right now. So if you want to check, check that out on MLive.com, you can do that as well. But again, appreciate everyone for listening. Keep the faith, Spartan Nation. Still got some games left here. So for Kyle Austin, the brand champion, thank you for listening to M Live Spartan Confidence Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Hey.